0: You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Good morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru. And today we are talking about regression and what it looks like. So regression is something that I sometimes see within training. Um, you definitely will see it more if a dog hasn't been evaluated. Uh, one of the main things that I used to recommend to clients, I used to tell them, listen, you don't have to go with me as a trainer, but if you're on the fence or, you know, you're seeing behaviors that you don't feel like you can control, you need to meet with the professionals." Uh, one-on-one, preferably in your environment, so if if they can come to you and get to know you and your dynamic and your environment for what it is uh, in the very beginning, they're going to be able to establish a better history, a better treatment plan, and it's likely that your results will be better and faster simply because you're right there dealing with the problem where it's cropping up. In terms of, like, diagnostic work, I would always... Each dog has a different process in how you're going to tackle it. You know, if you've got a puppy with basic obedience stuff, I really don't need to know a lot about that situation because I already know the age group of the puppy. I know there aren't ritualized behaviors unless there's been some sort of damage somewhere or there's some sort of biochemical issue on the front end. So if nothing really stands out to me, it's likely that we're going to have the same success I would have with any other puppy at that age and stage in life. So... But when, you, when you're talking about a little bit further down the road or problematic behaviors like aggression, um, you really need to have every piece of the puzzle or as many pieces of the puzzle as you can have. I had clients that perhaps didn't feel comfortable being forthcoming about some of the history of the dog. Maybe they thought I wouldn't work with them. Maybe they thought that it was something that they could get in trouble for or the dog could get in trouble for. And as a result... I would like take a case and then we would see things crop up. And when I would try and address them with the owner and find out that they already had an awareness of that issue, it left me at a disadvantage because that's something I could have addressed more effectively and handled more proactively rather than walking into a minefield and not knowing what, where anything else, where anything is, So I think it's really important when you're involving a professional to be very honest about what's going on. If they don't take your case, it's not a good fit, but that's okay. Uh, What you don't want to do is sugarcoat a situation that's not sweet. Um, In my case, I actually ran into a situation one day where I had signed a client and had no awareness that the dog had actually killed other animals um, larger than itself. And that's not really in the breed profile. (laughs) So that was a huge problem. And because it was never disclosed to me, uh, I didn't know to be cautious in certain areas. I mean, I'm always cautious. But had you had a trainer or a behaviorist working with this dog they would have been a target. You know, I read behavior for a living, and so I saw things surfacing, that I was like, this isn't right. Something's, something else is going on here. And at that point, I brought it to the owner, in which, to which I was responded, oh, yeah, well, actually, you know, we didn't really want to tell you because we didn't know how you'd feel about it, but, you know, he's killed this, this, and that. Well, you know, it's one thing, and I, I should put this out there, it's one thing for a dog to corner, like, a squirrel in the yard, um, and the worst should happen. It's a very different thing if it's a be- if there's a behavior that you're seeing on a regular basis where the dog is showing no mercy and killing an animal, uh, especially when it's larger than itself. That that goes a little bit beyond prey drive, usually. Um, now, that affected not only the training, but it immediately put the kibosh on the process. I eventually, uh, you know, during that conversation, it surfaced that there was a ton that I wasn't made aware of. And at the time, I was pregnant, so I was at a huge risk. Um, You know, dogs, working in a business like that and, you know, being pregnant is not idyllic. You know, I'm working with aggressive dogs as it is. But to not have someone be authentic put me and my unborn child at risk. So, you know, I explained to the client, I was like, listen... What you just disclosed to me—had you disclosed to me it, it to me on the day that we met—I wouldn't have taken your case, because this isn't a sal- this isn't a situation that you can salvage. And as much as it pains me to say it, not all situations are. Um, sometimes it's damage control. I'm not saying every dog has to be put down—that uh, you know you can't find an easy solution to—but sometimes it means that the dog isn't suited for the environment it's in. I had one client whose dog was. Um, you know, highly aggressive towards kids. And there wasn't any way he was going to give up his behavior. um, This one specific behavior that was very dangerous that he was doing. And he was opportunistic about it. And I told the mother, I said, listen, you know, they're not my kids. I said, but I'd like to have all three of them when I came back home. And this dog, he's never going to be a kid dog. You know, he was good with Uh, older children so to me that was really promising and that he could get along with somebody that was a little bit more predictable a little bit more adult like you know like a, a teenager would have been idyllic um as somebody that knew their limits um and what wasn't going to harass the dog but you know they were trying to keep the dog in the environment that it was in and it was not going to work so you need a professional that you can trust, but you also need a professional that you can be honest with. If you don't have a good rapport and a good connection from the get-go, uh, it's likely that it's going to feel awkward going through it. So find somebody that not only can help you reach your goals with your dog, but that you can communicate openly with and freely with so that they can help you in the best possible way and find legitimate resolution in your situation. Because, you know, in the case I mentioned earlier, I had to release them. And return their money. I was like, I can't take this. I can't work with this dog. Um, you know, there, there isn't something I can do about it. So, you know, because I knew there was not going to be resolution. And I told her, I said, this is a dog that may not be a case that you can rehab at all. Based on what you've told me. Uh, but certainly not in this environment. You know, there were too many targets. You know, so you have to be realistic. And if a trainer ever says to you. You know, you need to put the dog down. I second opinion any decision that before I make it. Um, I get it. I I would get a vet involved, a behaviorist involved, a trainer involved. I don't take putting a dog down very lightly at all. Um, mostly because I've seen dogs that were at their absolute worst who could pull a one eighty, you know, given the right set of guidance and enough patience and the right person, but you have to have all of the moving pieces in place for it to work. Um, And then, you know, we're talking about once you have those pieces in place, uh, then you're talking about, okay, so now you're making progress. You're going in the right direction. That leads us back to regression. Regression is a very normal state of training. And I don't think it's really talked about enough. You know, I think as trainers, it's expected that we always are moving forward. And, in respect, we are always moving forward with the dog. Otherwise, we're doing something wrong. But, you know, regression, a pushback, a resistance to learning or a resistance to adhering to a new plan. Oh, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. I mean, that's something very, very normal. Something that you not only could expect, but should expect with the best of trainers, with the best of plans, uh, with the best of dogs. So, you know so what am I talking about? What does that look like? So once we'll, we'll take a theoretical situation and, and, and work away from that. So you have a puppy, you've done every single basic obedience cue from the time you got them at eight weeks till the time, you know, say the dog is like 18 weeks now. So now you've got a pretty good rapport and you have a routine down, maybe they're not fully potty trained, but you're, you're going in the right direction there. Basically what I'm saying is the basic obedience has been at least established. Now, regression and pushback are really, <laughs> well, it's like the teenage years. I mean, for, for lack of a better way of summing it up, it's when they go, but why am I going to do that? I don't know if I'm going to do that. No, I don't think so. Mm, but why? I don't know. Maybe not. You know, there's a lot of. Okay, I thought we already taught you this, <laughs> and now you're turning around and not doing a single thing. I ask. Couple things to to note. From seven to nine, from seven to nine months, this is very normal. If anything, that is their 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 biggest. And most inflammatory period that I see in most dogs, seven to nine months in large breeds, usually around uh, eight to 10 months because they're they're slower on the development spectrum. But, you know, speaking generally, seven to nine months, you should fully expect them to blow you off. Uh, But a pushback period can happen at any age. You know, I've had dogs that were senior dogs that were really making progress. And all of a sudden it's like they forget the the news was delivered Um, and I used to plan for that. When I had a board and train, I used to have a three week board and train program and a dog would come in and I planned an entire week expecting a dog to blow me off. Not for the entire week, but periodically on different things. And it's interesting what they'll do. They will pick a different thing to push back on. So say you're trying to ask them to do a sit cue. Okay. Well they'll do down. They'll do stand. They'll do come when called. They'll do leave it. Uh, but they will not <laughs> sit. Okay, so anything but. So that would be a sign of resistance, a sign of pushback. So what do I do when I see a dog pushing back? I give them one option and only that option. If they don't want to do it, I try and shape the issue through and work it through, but I only I, I don't change my expectations. I don't lower the bar or simplify the behavior. Uh, once I know that the dog understands it. I only do that when I'm training a behavior in, in the very beginning. The way that I'll do something is, first I'll basically shape the behavior physically, then I'll add the word, uh, then I'll practice it, cultivate the exercise, and then I know what's really in there. You know, we've got the word, we've got the cue, uh, you know, the physical movement established, and sometimes there's like a physical cue too, so like you might... Uh, have a hand signal associated with it. All of the cues that I used to teach clients had hand signals associated because dogs are super visual. So, you know, I had a hand signal. My dogs know hand signals. And it's really helpful on the phone too because when they're acting out, you can kind of point and do your (laughs) sign language and and get the point across without having to interrupt what you're doing. It's a a, a great little feature (laughs) you should install on your training plan. But um, anyway, so what do I do? So say Fido doesn't want to sit. Okay, that's cool. If I doesn't want to sit, that's fine. But they also don't get to be free and get the treed and they don't get my attention and they can't just wander off and do whatever they want. So I'll go, "Uh uh-uh, and I'll take them over to um, kind of like a boring space, you know, like a baby-gated area or if they have a crate, a a crated area. And I'll leave them on their own for 10 minutes, not a lifetime, just about 10 minutes. And at the end of that time, I would essentially, you know, kind of go back to what we were doing before. I would bring them back to the same place. I would ask for the same behavior in the same tone. And I would set the bar at the same level. So this way, we're building consistency where consistency needs to be built. Uh, Now, say they blow me off again. Well, that's fine. Now you're probably thinking, well, (laughs) now you've got twice in a row the dog is saying no to you. Yeah, they are. But they're also not getting freedom Treat, attention, playtime. They're not getting anything that they want. They're just getting essentially like isolated. And I'm not trying to get them to think over what they've done wrong. I basically just want to interrupt the behavior and be like, "Mm, it's not what I asked for. Let's try this again. And I give them some time to decompress. Because I don't want to get into a back and forth, tit for tat sort of dynamic. I want to say to the dog, this is what I want. If they don't want to give it to me, that's fine, but then this is kind of how it goes. If you don't want to do it, that's fine, but that's still my requirement before you do anything else. Uh, so if they decide on the second time not to do it, that's fine. Just put them back in their crate or in their baby-gated area, wait another 10 minutes, and you go back to, and you repeat the process. And you repeat the process until the dog goes, oh, God, am we really going to do this again? <laughs> and eventually, they're going to look at you and sit instead. And it works Every time on the most willful dogs and the most willful dog I've ever worked with was able to go back and forth with me over the course of an entire afternoon um, in 10 minute intervals. And I started breaking up the, uh, the time between how often I would go back in there. After I went in there back and forth five times, then I started extending the time that he was off on his own. So this way it was like, okay, that's fine, but I'm not going to be running a marathon between crate and cue. So eventually, you know, he figured out that this was really just going to be what he had to do. Um, now let's talk about expectations and wh- where, where they need to be adjusted at this time. There are some battles that you just have to have, <laughs> you know, if you, if you, if you know a dogs established a queue with you and they're just blowing you off, I work that through until I finally get what I want. And the reason I do that is because as soon as they figure out, well, this is how long I had to, to hold out before my owner gave up, you're in trouble and you can't unring that bell. You never want a dog to have a one-up on you. You want to have the upper hand. And sometimes the only way you can really get it is by staying a step ahead and appealing to the fact that they like their freedom, they like your attention, and they like food. Uh, so, you know, you have to kind of find what motivates them, work within those, those lines. And is it easy? No, it's not. Is it time-consuming? Absolutely. And if you have a willful dog... It's, it's going to be more time-consuming to go back and forth than a dog that, say, you know, aims to please. You know, Aussies are huge people-pleasers. So, with an Aussie, you could teach a sit once, and their pushback period is going to be all of maybe, you know, 10 seconds. You know, or maybe a day. You know, with other breeds, I expect a pushback period to last all week. So, and and it's largely dependent on their personality type and, and what they're used to. If they're used to people breaking down and when they start pushing against that pressure, the other person, you know, the owner would essentially crumble and be like, all right, fine, jump on the couch or all right, fine, you already ate the ham or whatever. They're like, all right, I won. So they're used to pushing back. They've been trained to push back so so that they can eventually get what they want. What I'm teaching them is, you don't get anything you want until you eventually give me what I want, and then you can have anything you want. Uh, There's a reward. There's a release. You can play. And especially when you've had a big battle, it's important to give them a big, big reward Uh, because it is a choice that they're finally coming to. They are making the decision to agree. Uh, I don't, that's one of the reasons I don't force dogs physically into submission or anything else. And I don't do that because you're really not getting respect. So when the dog finally comes to me and sits the first time I ask, when I get them out of their crate, uh, on try 192, we've finally gotten somewhere. We finally agreed and, you know, built one more step into the relationship so this way, you know, tomorrow, this isn't going to be a disagreement we have. Sit's going to be old hat. Now, are you going to pick a new behavior to push back on? Are you going to try something else naughty to get my attention? Yeah, probably. Especially if you're between seven and nine months. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're gonna. But it's not something that is going to be a long standing problem as long as you are consistent. And consistency in training is the only way you win. It's the only way you win. There you know tra- dog training is not brain surgery. There are cases that are harder to handle than others. There are cases that I would never recommend a green trainer or be you know somebody who has no behavior background or um anything you know if they don't have the credentials to back it up, you know, it can be a dangerous situation when you're dealing with aggression or uh, predatory behaviors or you're dealing with anxiety because all of those can threaten the dog's life or someone else's. But when you're talking, you know, Fido just doesn't want to lay down on cue. Well, that's something you can address. And I, I h- would highly recommend that you do address as often as possible um, because the the issues that you let go are the ones you're going to be living with the longest amount of time. Okay. So then there are, other forms of aggression, too, that I want to talk about before I close out essentially what is something anybody will experience with a dog at some point, be it expected or one of the following. So, you know, as a dog ages, you know, they kind of, they go into a natural state of regression. Their mind begins to kind of slow down and and things start to deteriorate. It's just like as we would mature, Um, and become older. So, you know, I don't work problems through with senior dogs. You know, when you're dealing with a 12-year-old dog, I'm not going to be crating them every time they don't do something I ask. You know, especially if they're slow, they could be arthritic. Let's be realistic, okay? You have to take context into account here. Don't uh, be unrealistic with where a dog is in life. You know, puppies obviously have a tremendous amount of energy, and they can handle the back and forth and the emotional side of, you know, having a disagreement with their owner. But you get to a senior dog's age and it's like, man, they just really want to make it. They just want to have a normal day where they can take naps and they can adjust and they can be cuddled by you and spoiled. And that's the stage in life they're in. Now, the last form of regression that was most common was, uh, that i i saw a lot of was environmental regression. So what do i mean by that? So say you had a dog that and i i ran into this multiple times throughout my career and i'll i'll kind of outline a, a situation that is coming to mind right now. So i had a client whose dog was doing really well with our training. So well in fact we were in a the second tier of the program. And i remember going over to her house and we you know, she was working through the cues and she was really struggling. And I knew that this wasn't a regression that we were seeing because the, the behaviors were really well established. These were still new behaviors. And in her particular case, her dog loved to learn. So then I told her to stop, pause everything. And I asked her to uh, go ahead and sit down with me for a second because we needed to talk. And I asked her if anything was different in the dog's environment. And she sat there for a second, kind of taken aback by my question, uh, which I hate to say it, I have to ask things like that, because I can read on your dog what's going on in your home. And so knowing this dog and having worked with it for, oh, a couple months, I knew that it was very rare for her to show any sort of resistance. And the fact that she was showing consistent resistance, distraction, she kept looking at a door. Uh, it was just atypical of her behavior. So either something happened or something happened. So she kind of sat there and she says, well, I didn't want to make you uncomfortable, but our house was actually broken into the other night. And ever since we've been out of sorts and immediately a lot makes sense. The dog being skittish, the dog being, you know, fixated on the door. Um, it turns out that that door, they actually were picking the lock I guess, in her home. So I told her, I said, well, and she says, you know, we were terrified because, you know, here we are unarmed and, you know, our dog isn't, it wasn't a big dog, you know. Um, And I said, well, this is definitely affecting the dog emotionally, probably because it's still affecting you guys emotionally. So what I suggested was kind of like a down period for everybody to decompress. So I told her, I said, take the entire week off, which is not something you'll typically hear me say as a trainer, I said, take the entire week off, don't work on training, just work on bonding with the dog, walking them and enjoying that time. They used to have a big uh, outdoor patio, so I said, you know, go hang out with her outside and enjoy the relationship for an entire week. Focus on nothing else. And because at that point, we didn't have a bunch of behavior problems to address. And I said, because I have a feeling that the emotional vacation will be all you need. Came back, uh, I, I made our appointment for a week and a half after that. She was like a different dog. Right back to being amazing every single cue. Uh, her owner said it was like the str- it was like the most amazing thing. She went from withdrawing, disconnecting, shutting down, being distracted, to getting back to her old self. And sometimes you need a break. You know, think about it. You work a 9-to-5 job in corporate America long enough, You know, you're working in a cubicle, you're driving an hour and a half home every day, it's tiring. You know, maybe you just wanted an outlet, maybe you just wanted a break. Uh, In this case, it was obviously something bad that was going on in the environment, but that took away the feeling of security and control that the dog had previously had within that environment. So it made total sense to me. And we needed to build a new history of the dog seeing that nobody's breaking in every night, and also that the owners were okay and that they weren't unhappy. They feed off of our energy, so, you know, having an awareness that one can trigger the other is important. You know, the more bonded a dog is to you, the more how your daily life affects you will keep, will affect them. I mean, I definitely, I noticed this with my puppy on days where I was really depressed. He was really lethargic, you know, I wouldn't say that he was as depressed, but he definitely would just kind of adhere to my vibe, so... You know that could be said of a lot of different things, and when you have somebody coming into your home and you know threatening that environment, obviously you're going to have an emotional reaction to it, and the dog is too. So, you know, given a little bit of space and a little bit of time, the dog did fine and went right back to her normal self. So, not all regression means that you have to be militant about working away from the problem. There other are other forms of regression. Uh, The last thing that I want to just put in your ear as far as what could possibly happen regression-wise are medical problems. And if there is what seems like an overnight change without any provocation, you don't have an event in your mind where you're like, okay, this is what triggered this. Oh, okay, this is why he's upset. Nothing's really standing out to you. That's when I think medical. Uh, Because... You know, obviously, a brain tumor is going to wildly affect behavior, uh, and it could be negative, but it can also show up as in the dog is showing defiance, resistance. But you know, when that's something you need to explore, if it seems like you're dealing with a different dog than you had the other day. Um, not all medical problems happen overnight, but it seems like those threads of their behavior get cut almost instantly in certain areas and then they continue to deteriorate. So if you're seeing a downward spiral and you can't really point to where it started, that's when I would go ahead and get uh, a vet involved. Go do a panel, a workup. They may ask to do a, uh, an x-ray and, and just make sure there's nothing going on, uh, because I there there was a case that's coming to mind right now where the dog, well, it's kind of a scary situation, honestly. The dog, they they had never needed to train the dog. The dog was really well trained. Never needed a, a actual trainer to train any dog they'd ever owned. And then one day, what seemed like out of the blue, it bit their daughter, who he had always had a very good relationship with. And she wasn't a young kid. It wasn't like... Oh, well, we were out of the room and we didn't know what happened. And then the dog knocked. It wasn't anything like that. She was a teenage girl who had had this dog since she was very, very young. And they had always had a very good relationship. And the dog bit her. Um, You know, she like walked into uh, her bedroom and he was already in there on her bed. And uh, she went to sit on her bed and he bit her. Now, yes, that is a guarding behavior. And yes, it's territorial behavior. But it was completely out of character for him. So the first thing her vet actually said was, uh, after I met with them, because I sent them to their vet, was there has to be something else going on because he even knew the dog. It turned out he had two tumors within his brain. So it wasn't him that was changing. And had we not investigated that, we wouldn't have known that anything was really wrong. But thank heavens, this family was so devoted to this dog that they gave him the opportunity to go to the vet and see if there was a medical issue that was contributing to this regression, um, and and aggression in this particular case, but you know you could see things like that crop up at at different stages of life, like I, I've mentioned earlier. What you do about it matters, though. First, get a professional involved. If you if it isn't just simple basic obedience stuff, then and you're dealing with something that's a bigger animal than that. Don't be afraid to enlist a professional. That's what they do, and and we love doing it. You know, I, I used to really sink my teeth into a good case. The harder, the the more complex the case, the more I enjoyed working with the client, because I liked uh, taking the chaos and bringing a lot of I I liked bringing hope back to a home. I liked restoring. Peace to their environment, just like I try and do every week here. And though I'm not going to people's homes and I'm not, you know, charging every time I I go on air, in my own small way, I'm attempting to head off dogs getting rehomed or give owners hope who perhaps didn't think certain situations were salvageable, fixable. Okay, so that's my two cents on aggression. All right, uh... By the way, we really appreciate you listening to our show right here on Blazing Caribou Studios, but did you know you can help support our show and help others like it? Everything from artwork to story ideas to hosting our podcast comes from the support at Blazing Caribou. Head over to patreon.com blazingcaribou blazing caribou. You can support us for just as little as a dollar a month and get all the cool extras that are reserved for our patrons. Join the herd today. If you haven't already, please join the Dog Guru Hounds on Facebook. It's a group where you can share photos, stories, questions, anything you like. Anything related to the show can be found there and some cool extras. And also I wanted to give a shout out to Jake's Pet Supply. They have a fantastic staff. They're right in Lake Worth in Florida and they're phenomenal. I love how knowledgeable their staff is, how kind they are. They're pet-friendly, so as long as you have leash pets, you can go in and visit, and uh, just really, really nice people. They're from up north, so uh, go check them out. So go check them out. You won't be disappointed, and tell them that you heard about them on Ask Your Dog Guru. I know they'll appreciate it. If you have an email for me and you would like to ask me about your dog, have some story that you would like me to share about your canine companions, you can email me at dogguru here for you at gmail.com it's always in the show notes and of course if you'd like to donate you can do so at paypal.me forward slash your dog guru you can put in any amount you want it would certainly be appreciated i'm in the process of trying to grow the show and so your support means that that can actually happen so thank you for all of our listeners i've now checked our downloads and they're not only growing but we've got three thousand subscribers so that's amazing thank you so much Please continue to share Ask Your Dog Guru. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all your favorite podcast apps, obviously on Blazes and Caribou Studios. And we'll be doing a guest spot coming up soon on Varmints. So if you've heard us on Varmints before, it's always a great time. Uh, Donna and Paul are a great, I mean, they host a great show. So can't wait to be involved in their upcoming episode. I know it'll be fun and uh, I'll share it with all of you once it's aired. Thanks so much, everybody. That's it for me today. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.